Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's your boy Johnny Bananas, and I'm going to be covering a brand new season of the Challenge USA on CBS that, of course, I will be completely dominating on my podcast, Death Taxes and Bananas, on the Ringer Reality TV podcast. Head over to that feed and follow us on Spotify so you never miss an episode. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome back to What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. On this week's episode of What About Your Friends, my co-host and BFF and I will be talking about being there for a friend during good and hard times. Mm -hmm. But first, how's your heart, Stephen? I feel a little overwhelmed trying to do as much as you can in a, you know, in a short period of time. So I'm just trying not to like get too riled up and I'm just trying to pace myself. So I would say I'm feeling very, very salmon. Ooh, I I like that. (laughs) Why does it say pink, right? I said salmon. I thought you were going to go for like a dusty pink, but you switched it up on me last minute. Yeah. How's your your heart? Uh, My heart is good. It's a calm because last week was stressful, which we'll talk about later, but been resting, trying to give myself some grace in not needing to be as productive or moving as much as I would any other time, which is very hard to not allow guilt to infiltrate your thoughts when you're not being productive or thinking of how to be productive. So I would say the color is like a light purple. I feel like we're in the same space, Loki. Yeah. OD. Like right, <laughs> like a variation of that colorway. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like that pinkish purple violet-ish blend. If we weren't recording right now, I would ask you, which I guess goes with the podcast, if I can do anything to help you. I think uh, this podcast is a representation of you doing things to help me. Really? Yeah. No, I get the opportunity to talk to my friend in a vulnerable space. And I think we get the opportunity together to like inspire possibly an idea or thoughts. Or just, you know, the opportunity to, you know, have a connection with someone that, you know, like we all going through the same thing at the end of the day, you know? So. Yes. So what's what's, what's been going on? All right. So let's get uh, personal because apparently that's what we're doing on the podcast now. Let's get personal. So last week I had a health scare, which you know about. Mm -hmm. Pretty surprising, but we're, we're here. So we're good. But I needed to see a few doctors to triple check I was good. I needed to rest, which is why, again, that like difficulty of allowing myself to not move um, has been happening. But 
in between all those doctor appointments, I think uh, the health scare happened like Sunday night. And on Monday, I was going through going doctor to doctor and I was messaging my family and you and my partner, uh, just like updating everyone. And I thought about just how we are there for one another, right? Like how each of you all offered support. And I think at this point, at least in our friendship and then with my family, I kind of know what type of comfort and support you're going to give me, especially weirdly enough, especially more during difficult times. I think about that more than good times, but I think that's kind of what humans do, right? We kind of dwell on dwell on the hard stuff. And I always appreciate how you're there for me. But I feel like we've had to have a few combos throughout our friendship in order for us to know how to be there for one another. And a lot of that combo is like just centered around communicating how we can be there. And also being very aware that that changes depending on the circumstance. How have you experienced friends being there for you in good and bad times? Oh, it's so it's so layered. For one, I'm like a person that like to struggle in peace. I never like seeing people str- like see me struggle because they'll think it's like what I'm carrying when reality is something else. It's my leg. You know what I'm saying? So instead of them asking, they'll grab the bags like it's the bags that's heavy. When it's my leg that hurts, you know, mm. if that makes sense. I'm being metaphorical. So, not, yeah. So yeah. they're going based off of what they see, not what necessarily they know or ask to know. Yeah. Sometimes they're like what you struggle with is internal and only you can feel it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I would say it's hard for me to like uh, open up in that way because I there's been times where I felt like, you know, it get thrown in my face later. Someone being there for you or whatever you shared. Yeah, whatever I share, because a lot of times being there for me is just me communicating, you know, like being heard and feeling seen and being understood. I think sometimes it's a lot of internal mental things for me. So it's not like what you can do. It's really like how you can listen, you know, sometimes. Yeah. You know, sometimes I don't even need advice. Sometimes I just need an ear. Sometimes I just need a hug. But how does one know that if I'm not communicating? So that's the thing that is the hard part for me, because I'm like. I got to communicate how I need to be supported. And then I also got to communicate the, the the situation. I don't like calling it a problem, the situations, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you're going through at that time. Yeah. The obstacle yeah. essentially. Right. So it's, it's tough. It's like layered in so many different things. And a lot of it comes from, you know, childhood and feeling like I've always had to move forward through it all. Mm-hmm. Like I, I said, you know, my, my grandparents passed away when I was really young and it was the first time I experienced grief. No one taught me about grief. I just learned it. Firsthand. Yeah. And when you're like nine years old, you don't really know how to process it. And so you kind of just like teach yourself to move forward. Like, all right, when heavy shit happens, just stay quiet and, and, and kind of blend in with the wall, you know, just be a fly on the wall. So a lot of those times, right. I'm not really good at like communicating during, you know, grief. When other people, when your friends are experiencing grief? When I'm experiencing it, when other people experience it, I completely, I, t- I take these things, I call it trauma naps. I get sleepy. That's my way of coping. <laughs> nah, it's like, it's like a real thing. Yeah, it is a real thing. Some yeah. people, the way we feel through whatever we're feeling varies with the person and also varies with what we're feeling, right? Because this... Like, what about when you're experiencing something good? Because this, you know, what you mentioned kind of is tied to 
some difficult things. But when you're experiencing something good, do you communicate to your friends? No. Hell no. On how they should be there for you? Mm-mm. I never really... I don't know. I think, like, when it, when thing, good things happen, I kind of, like, just celebrate myself, you know? Yeah. It's like a... You, uh, you're big on celebrating yourself, which I really have. I really admire. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a balance, though. I think, like, you know, I celebrate myself, but also I do want people in my life to be there for me and support me, you know, through yeah. these new, you know, new waves that's happening right now. But I don't know how to necessarily communicate it sometimes. So I just don't. I'm like a very, I'm heavy on the downplay for for no reason in reality. Like it's a no big deal? No big deal when I say it out loud, but internal, I, in my own space, I'll be dancing to the moon. You know what I'm saying? Can I ask you a question? Do you, what is your way of like um, processing when you get information that may not be the best? Um, I mean, I have anxiety, so I tend to spiral. My first reaction is to spiral. And then I calm myself down by really asking my question, asking questions as in like, how, why am I feeling this way? Where is this coming from? But I think that's when I share information like that with other people, you know, when, especially when it comes to my health, when it comes to friends being there for me, I need compassion. Like, I want to feel validated in how I'm feeling, that I'm seen and heard. And again, like, especially with my health, because there's no room for tough love. There's room for reason, because I think reason and facts ease my anxiety. And I feel like I've mentioned that, right? Because again, my anxiety is fear of the future. Nothing's happened yet. So I think that I tend to process alone at first, and then I go to someone to kind of like unravel. But at that point, I don't know if I need answers or I need, you know, especially with my health. I feel like I've become, because of so many health scares or because I have health issues, I'm now the person that needs to figure out kind of like what is going on and why. But I think if someone else, if a friend is giving me bad news or they're going through a difficult time, I try to listen. I still have the struggle, which you've seen, of wanting to automatically help and fix it and be there for this person in a way that I think I should be there for that person based on what I know about this person. And I think I've worked hard and still I'm working hard to first ask, like, how can I be there for you? Or what do you need? And then there's times where like, I do little small things like ask you if you want a milkshake, because I know that you like milkshakes during, like, that's just a little stress reliever for you. But I'm not, you know, I ask little things like that that are easy for me to do. But I think that there's always something about listening and then wondering and asking if the person needs like the whole saying of like, do you need a hug or do you need help? Like, do you need literal help or do you need someone to just listen to you and be there for you? I feel like that's a question I've asked more in relationships and in our friendship, but I probably need to do that more across all my friendships of first asking that. What does that look like for you? No, like it's like a, before someone hugs me, I hug myself. It's almost like my process when I'm dealing with things. It's like I like I I challenge all inward? my friends. Well, yes, yeah, it's some because you know a lot. I'm alone. I'm alone a lot of the times when I'm actually experiencing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I and I always tell people, I'm like, yo, the hardest thing to do is to look in the mirror and say, I love you. And look yes, at look directly in your yes. eyes. I'll be like, <laughs> I'll be, sh- I'll be shook. I'll be like, oh shit. Like maybe that's our new question. Have you told yourself I love you today? 
hell no <laughs> this sounds crazy but it's true it's like that is really really hard to you know it's hard to receive yourself sometimes you know yeah because to receive yourself is to receive all of you good bad and ugly you know yeah i think when it's when it's something good i move through it so quickly right like right, i right, just right. like i'm just like all right that's great next like i just keep on moving and when it is difficult times I could sit in it for a while. And I think a part of sitting in it is me trying to figure it out, especially if I can find some logic to it. And then it's feeling it, like if I have to cry or whatever, I do so. And then I write just to like see something on paper. See, I'm always like, when I think I'm part of like, like if it was steps, it'd be like step two. And a lot of time for you. And I think okay. a lot of times it's like... Um, spring into action like you like yeah I, mean, I, I set up four doctor's appointments yeah i just did blood <laughs> yes. work like you're like immediately yeah on the road to to doing what you got to do yeah to, uh to find out the information that you need you know what i'm saying right. yes um i don't i'm not really a part of the the anxious process is anyone a part of that process with you no because i have fear of being judged for my spiraling <laughs> see yo we are you talking the same you know what i'm saying i and i think more so again i'm very sensitive i'm very vulnerable and vocal about my health because i think i have like medical trauma right like you know i think i've been rushed to the hospital to get heart surgery twice and then right when i get there they're like no never mind like that shit does something to you uh, after a while, and I think that I'm very keen into how I physically feel. So I spiral and try to figure out what's going on and calm my dark thoughts by doing the same thing or going to like, again, four doctor's appointments to figure out what's going on or going to therapy. But yeah, I think I'm, I have this fear of someone judging me for my process or for feeling how I feel. And I don't want to feel invalidated for mm -hmm. however that is. Right, right. I think that's a good question. Like, when should your friend come in during the process of either celebrating or processing like a big moment in your life? So this is this uh, it's so interesting. Like, I'm talking about my therapy sessions now on the pod. <laughs> but anyways, this is so, a therapy session. So, with my therapist, we've had conversations about some sort of like pyramid of. Friends. Yeah, and things slowly yes. trickle trickle down. So at the top of the pyramid, it's like when one person that you're able to communicate everything with, like the good, the bad, the ugly, right? They are part of the process of uh, like if it was a an event or a collaboration, for example, right? They would know the deets on how it how the, the idea forms. They'll be a part of the forming of an idea, and then the second layer of that is the people that you're now delivering the news to. They, they don't know the idea. They just know like, oh, you're doing this. And then there's a third layer, which is like three people who they're invited to the party. They're invited they to the up. event. Yeah, yeah, they show up. And then there's a fourth layer that didn't even know. They like, oh, word. <laughs> they found day of. Like, oh, shit. Like, and they are considered friends as well. The absolutely. Fourth layer. But everybody's not a part of your process. And I think it's like, it takes time to like, it takes time for first for you to understand your process and then for second to invite people to it. Because if you don't understand your process, then they won't. There's no way. That is, you know, yeah. And it's very true. And it goes back to communicating your process to someone. How do you think you 
have been as a friend being there for someone, whether they're going through a good time or bad time? I could be better, to be honest, in my heart. Like, I feel like I could be uh, do better at that. I think depending on what it is, I'm fucking golden, right? Like, if it's- Whether if good it's, or bad? Yeah. Or the if spectrum it's, between- Listen, if it's like a, you need support, I'm in the building, right? When I say support, I mean like idea-wise or like, you know, if you need a mirror, I'll shine light on you and, and what you've done and accomplished. I think when it comes down to, to grief, I, I don't know how to show up. I felt really guilty these past two years about things like that. And I don't know how to like uh, communicate through it because I almost feel selfish by saying, listen, that's just not how I am. And when I mm-hmm. can't, that's not to me, that's not that's not a good enough excuse on how you can't be there. But it, it really is. The truth is like I experienced some some traumatic shit when I was growing up. And I, it, it kind of made me numb to certain things. I don't know how to be like condolences, sorry for your loss or anything. I just don't know how I'll be, it'd be, you don't understand. It's like the most <laughs> craziest process, but I'm like, I don't know if the words, I don't know how to find the words, the right words to say just as much, how much I care about someone or love them and want to be there. I mean, but we both know that those words vary by friend it you know it varies how you show up by friend and you know I, I understand there's really no way of like how would you like them to be there while they're experiencing this like amount right. of loss <laughs> or heartbreak right um it's I feel like that's always hard I think grief is its own you know conversation but I feel like that's also hard of like how other than asking someone how they would like you to be there how can you be there for someone going through like a difficult time. Because also, like you said, there's really no room to ask that during no. some times. And all, and all I'm going through, I'm, all I'm going off of is what I would want in that moment. Honestly, if anything cr- cr- traumatic happened to me, I think I would want niggas to leave, oh, excuse me, I would want people to leave me, <laughs> who, who want people to leave me alone. You know what I'm saying? Like I, 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 as, your, as your best friend, <laughs> as one of your two best friends, I... I don't know. I don't know about that. Like, yeah, no, nah, I'm telling you, I think I would want space. This is, this is you telling no, like, me this is, you know, ahead of time. Right. Like, leave I, you I, alone. Yeah. I think about things like <laughs> and that. And I should like, listen to you. Yes, yeah. I would, okay. I would totally like some space because like, this is, mm-hmm. you know, I would like the space to process, you know, I wouldn't want anybody to spring any in the action for me because I don't even know what action looks like for me. I think that's, I mean, that's, I guess the, the key to this is how hard it is possibly to be there for a friend when you don't know how you want someone to be there for you. You talk about growing up and how you've seen, how you've experienced grief and being there for yourself. How have you seen friends be there for one another growing up? Mm. Damn, that's that's kind of sad. <laughs> I mean, good or bad. I mean, I think of like, right, you grew up with Dizza, for example, or or Belle or like, you know, the yeah. people you consider brothers, like how have you seen those people around you be there for one another? I don't know if we've, all right. Well, that's what um, makes it sad. You don't know <laughs> you yeah. don't know if you've been there for one another. Yeah, it's been tough. I would say in 2020, Bell had a scare and um, we sprung into action and yeah. we, we, we did like a prayer call. Yes. And I've, yeah. I've never been a part of anything like that in my life. And, you know, it was very scary and, you know, he made it through. 
And that was the the first time I seen like the power of friendship and love and intention. And it was, and he, he don't even know, like, he was like, oh, word, that's crazy, right? He wasn't even <laughs> aware of how real it was in that moment. And, and it was like, there was no, how can we be there to support? It was just, you know, quasi and Ash saying like, yo, let's do this. And we, we all just locked in and we did that. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. um, but when I'm, you know, as far as growing up, I will say this, it's kind of crazy. I never, I haven't thought about this in years, but when my grandmother passed away, right. I was like a super recluse as a kid. And, um, I would always just be in the house. Right. But when she passed away, everybody told me like to go outside. I didn't want to go outside, but I was like, all right, I went outside. When I went outside, the kids in the neighborhood, one of the kids' name was Anthony, came up to me and he was like, yo, your grandmother died, which is crazy because I don't even know how he knew because that had just happened. But he was like, your grandmother died? I was like, yeah. And then he was like, uh, yeah, my grandmother died too. You want to go play or some shit? And I was like, yeah. And then I literally mm. was outside. Like yeah. I, had, I instantly, <laughs> we, it's crazy because we connected on something that was so sad at the moment, but it, it kind of freed me to like step out my comfort zone and like, you know, gain friendship. And then from that, from that moment on, like I was one of the project kids, you know, just running around playing football and hiding, oh, hiding seek and just being a to Anthony for bringing you out. Yo, I, I literally found my ch- childhood in that moment. You know what I'm saying? Wow. That's powerful. Through, through grief, you know, like through a moment that was tough. You know, he kind of, he was like, yo, I see you. You know, I haven't seen this kid since I was a kid, but I'm, I'm, I, I always remember that. Like he literally did not have to come up to me, you know, but he came up to me and, you know, he supported me in that moment. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. He said the right thing. And which unfortunately was a sad thing to say, but it was the right thing to say for you at that moment. And I, we've had the conversation of when people say the wrong thing because they just need to say something in order to be right. there for you, which, you know, happened when I was experiencing the scare, you know, someone saying the wrong thing only to feel like they had to say something to be there. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's also just an interesting thing of like being there for someone in a way that you would like to be there, which can go horribly wrong or can be exactly what the other person needs is something a little different, not what they think that they need. But yeah, I mean, I know that you and I have talked about just saying the wrong thing in order to say something Yeah, during difficult the time. times. <laughs> they don't know what to say. I call it, the, they say some dumb shit, you know, 
You do you it know? all the you do it all the time. Yeah, but I call it out on people like, yeah, they said some dumb shit. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> some, but 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 again, sometimes it's you know you don't have to say anything. Sometimes it's just like I'm gonna sit here with you. You know? Yeah. Like yeah. I've, you know, some of my friends, you know, their pops pass. You know, and me and a couple of homies, we just sat with him for mm. hours. Yeah. And there was nothing to say. There's nothing I could say. Yo, you gonna be alright. Yo, he in a better place. Yo, he don't feel like that right now. So whatever he want to feel, I'm going to feel it with him and I'm going to sit with him. And we sat with him for hours. And it was great in that moment because I knew that it wasn't necessary. Presence was enough. Conversation wasn't necessary. Presence is enough sometimes. Have you seen moments like this, like on TV or anything you watched? Yo, I was thinking about Peyton Full. And, um, <laughs> that is your go-to. Nah, your yo, go-to. it's such a... If any, Clearly, if you, it, it, yeah. Listen, if you know, you know. You feel me? Like, you know, so when Ace got shot, he got shot mad times. Uh, Mitch and, and Rico, they pulled up on him to let him, you know, let them know that, you know, they was there. But then, you know, Rico wanted to get back to the money. He like, all right, you got shot. All right, what are we doing? Like, what are we, we going to get him? What are we trying to do? And Ace is like, yo, I, you know, I feel different. My body different. And then Rico said like, drink some tea, you be all right. He said, I'm going to tuck you in. I'm going to get you some Tylenol. You be good tomorrow. Like he was just like very dismissive of him getting shot in the head because <laughs> they had to get back to that money. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's how some people are. It's like, yo, listen, be like, how long you going to grieve? Like, I right, we get it. And sometimes, you know, everybody got their own. That's wild. But it's true. I have friends that have, you know, experienced that in real life. Like, you know, the grief is like, has a timeline or, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. There's a, there's a limit to how much someone can limit, grieve. Some, some people think that. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, yo, fam, let me process the way it could take me for years or months or days. It's like, let that be my process. It has nothing to do with you. But, you know, some people, you know, they, they grieve differently. They like, I right, back to the bread, you know, back to the money, back to the, op- you know, back to what we was doing before this unfortunate situation happened. Yeah. It's, it's putting, you know, either your process on someone else, but also, you know, we all have experienced grief differently exactly. or have wanted to experience grief differently and we haven't, but that's a good point. When I was, uh, quote unquote resting, cause I really wasn't resting cause it was hard to this past week I was rewatching Insecure cause it's now on Netflix and I played probably more close attention to how Issa and Molly were there for one another during good and bad times. So there's some like big moments, right? When one of them or either both of them lose or quit their jobs or when they go through like family hardships, like when uh, Molly helps Issa's parents with like paperwork, I think it's like their will or when Molly's mom is sick and she's in the hospital and Issa's there for her. Like she brings her like a, you know, different pair of clothes to change into. So they're both like really good at offering support, emotional and literal support more so, especially during family times. But, right, there's one critical moment in their friendship, which was something that, like, everyone talked about, where Molly didn't... Molly wasn't there for Issa when she quit her job and was trying to, like, build her own career. And I don't know if you remember when, like, Issa needed a contact that Molly's guy that was dating at the time had, and Molly didn't... wasn't feeling it. Like, Molly didn't, like the fact that Issa wanted to talk to him in order to get a contact for her. I think she was planning an event. She just needed connections to her sister and something that she was building. 
And Molly wasn't feeling it, but Issa went ahead and still reached out. It sounds like things that, you know, that happened to me, actually. Like, I can relate. I mean, I think that the big thing about the scenario is it kind of shifted their trajectory as far as friendship goes. Because Molly wasn't there for Issa in a way that Issa needed Molly to be there. And I think Molly took it personal. And it was very hard for them to get back to a good place. And it made me, you know, I feel like when it comes to hard times, sometimes that can make or break. The way you are there for someone or not there for your friend, I feel like can make or break a friendship. But at the very least, it could definitely deter the path that you're both on. And it's probably, you know, sometimes hard to get back on that same path. But, you know, so I had, what, two separate experiences with two separate close friends where they weren't there for me during difficult times in my life. One was when I had surgery. Right. So I expected a friend and I guess that's the key word is I expected a friend to be there for me to check in. And at that time, she was on a press trip and her intention of on being on this press trip was to disconnect because she was also kind of at the end of some hard stuff also. Right. So the day of my surgery came and I can't remember whether I was so hurt that had days had gone by that I reached out and communicated that. Or I think she messaged just me until a few days later. And then I communicated that. But I think that, you know, I expected this person because of how long we've known each other, but also, again, how vulnerable and vocal I am about my health to be there for me. And she wasn't. And I feel like that's been a hardship that we sometimes reference back because it's hard to get through. But it makes me think of like how one right? There was no communication on my part of how I wanted this person to be there. There was expectation based on what I felt or what I thought about our friendship. And then also, I think I go off of how I was, how I would have been there for her. So when it comes to health, when it comes to things very serious, like I think my instinct is to ask, how can I be there? What can I do? Are you okay? How are you feeling? I know we all hate the are you okay question, but I guess I I asked that from time to time. But yeah, I mean, I think that we talk about expectation a lot or communication. But I think for that instance, I think it was a a realization of how we both were raised differently as far as being there for someone. And it's being mindful of like, that is life, right? We're not, we weren't raised the same. Well, I have a question. Have you always been that mindful of like how you ask questions? Like, like the question, like, uh... How are you doing? Like, have you been always mindful? Like, have you grown into that space of like being mindful of how you communicate? I think I've always been mindful of being there for someone and listening. I think I've uh, had to grow into how I word what I say when I'm there for someone. Copy. Right? Like, I think that I've learned to ask more questions than assume and answer questions before they're even asked. Things like that, right? So instead of being like, do you need this? Instead of instead of saying that, being like, you know, what do you need? Like not assuming what someone needs from me or how they would like me to be there. But I think my instinct is always to check in and share that I'm there for someone, especially when it comes to like family and like health. But I think that that was always something very serious in my family. So yeah, it's like just difference of like how people were raised essentially. Yeah. Yeah, it's like core values is just different. How do you feel about the possibility of a friendship not being the same because of not being there the right way for a friend? I mean, I, I think that is part of the the growth and um, 
and friendships, you know, the friendship is just, you know, one layer, then it just stays on that surface layer, you know, but if, once you start really getting to know somebody, things start to pop up, you know, like real things, you know, real, like that's going to take communication and take growth and take learning and listening outside of just like going to parties or like, you know, brunches and shit like that. What happens when there's a actual conflict in someone's life? Everybody in this world is different. You know, how they receive things. How do we allow someone the space to be different? That everybody is not like you or like me. Like you are of a, a individual, you're one of a kind. So you got to know like this person is as well. And they might not, they might not get me no matter how much I explain myself. Do I feel like explaining myself? Sometimes it's not even valid. It's not even um, worth the explanation. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's also something like how much do you have to share in order to have them be there for you? And I feel like sometimes that's also labor that you don't want to go through. Um, I think also something I didn't think of is like what happens when you don't want to be there for a friend the way they'd like you to be there, right? Like going back to Molly and Issa, Molly was just like, I don't, she wasn't feeling it the way that Issa needed help and she didn't help the way she needed her to help. And that was a strainer in their friendship. There's a mad random, but I was thinking about how I think that I've seen more empathy between friends when they're going through difficult times with shows that I watched as a kid, like Rugrats. I think it's because of the purity of just being there for the other person with maybe not even having the words at that age to ask of just like being there for a person. And it was very simple and sweet. And I feel like maybe there's a lot to learn from that of just like, sometimes you just have to be there. Your presence is enough. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know if you like saw that growing up in shows or things like that. It's just like the simplicity of being there for someone. Right, right. Not for sure. Like recess, like boondocks. (laughs) You watch recess. Yeah, I love recess. Yeah, I think, which is, you know, I'd never thought of that. Just like the, what we've learned emotionally from those shows, especially when it comes to friendship. Because I think then we get to shows of like teens or like young adults, like Moesha, which I used to watch, or like Family Matters or... Or like Dawson's Creek. You what you were oh, you were dang. into Dawson's Creek? Word. I was a late I was a late watcher on Dawson's Creek. I learned mad shit on that show. How did you how did you feel? See, they went through a lot of dramatic stuff. How did oh, you feel dang. when they were when they were either there or not there for one another? Well, you know, there was a time where, you know, you know, like uh Dawson's best friend started dating is the love of his life. It's <laughs> yeah. like that in, in itself is like, how do I I, I lost the person that I would normally talk about mm. this woman to, to my best friend. How do I, who am I talking to now? Yeah. Like, and that, that is, that was a process, you know, that, that was like, oh shit, layers. That's what that I said. With you. There's layers, you know, that you got to peel back. Yeah. I mean, I think that's also the thing is considering what the other person is going through when you expect them to be there for you, how they are there for you may also vary because of that. but. I wasn't, yeah, I didn't get into Dawson's Creek like that. What was other other shows that were around during Dawson's Creek? I forget. Uh, Velocity. Oh, I did watch Felicity, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like those, there's a lot of drama of like, but I think the drama is what teaches you of how the person is there for the other person, especially when you're both going through drama at the same time. Right, right. I mean, through this conversation, what do you think you need to like keep in mind when you need someone to be there, when you need to be there for another friend? Hmm. I'm just learning my friends every single day. 
I'm trying my best, you know, I'm, I'm doing my best in the grand scheme of it all to be there for my friends. In the conclusion, we just doing our best. <laughs> yeah. I think that's that's something I want to keep in mind is for my friendships, no matter where it's coming from, whether I'm offering support or I would like support is also offering grace. We may be doing as much as we can. And like, we also need to be a little compassionate and like offer ourselves grace also. But I think grace is the key thing for me that goes both ways. I respect that. That, that makes a lot of sense. What a great episode. Facts, facts. If anyone has any thoughts or feels about being there for a friend during good or bad times, email us at whataboutyourfriendspod at gmail.com. Thank you, Stephen. And thank you to everyone for listening. We will talk to you next week. Peace out.